have to stand for me. I guess you did since she asked you. All right. I actually don't have anything to say this week. We're just going to play Sean's sermon from last week since it was so good. So if we can just roll that. So, oh, all right. Well, if we could have Jamil come up here. He's going to share a testimony real quick. This is powerful. He just shared this with me during war. So let's give Jamil a welcome hand. Jamil and Maria lead our ministry teams. How you doing, sir? Very well. So giving you a little more notice there, but they are. That's all good. Good morning, Zion. How are you? Good. Uh, this happened um, Thursday. Our daughter had flown in from L.A. to visit, and I don't, we don't see her often. I said we'll, we'll go for a walk. We walked for about an hour, but on the way home, we decided to stop at the grocery store. So we stopped at the grocery store, and her being from L.A., it was almost like a cashless walk. We wanted to stop at the store. She thought she could use Apple Pay at the store. And we found out we don't have Apple Pay available. So the young cashier lady came to us to help us. And she was smiling. I said, you, I said, you have a smile. You remind me of Jesus. She goes, yeah, I love Jesus. So she told us we couldn't Check. do what we to do. <laughs> it was really good. Uh, she was about 15 or 16 years old. And I hadn't noticed during the time we were interacting with her until we were getting ready to walk out the store. I looked down and I went, you have a, a brace on your right leg. I said, what is that about? And she says, well, I was born like that. I said, you were born like what? She says, I don't have full use of my foot and ankle. The, the tendons aren't right. I said, oh, okay. I said, we're involved in ministry. I said, I'd be blessed to pray for you if you like. She said, sure. So I went to the grocery store, and I asked my daughter. She's so limber. I said, do you mind uh, <laughs> bending down and putting your hand on her ankle if that's okay with her? She said, sure. So we prayed for her. And I asked her, I said, so what are your work hours? I said, I'll tell you why, because I like to come back and check on you. So she told us when she worked. So that was Thursday evening. So Friday, I wanted to go check on her. So that's literally what I did. Went back to the grocery store. I looked for her. I found her. And literally, I said, wow, look, people hurt me. I said, wow, look at you. Look at you. Look what Jesus did for you. You have no brace. She said, she said, when I went home last night, I took my brace off. She was fully healed and well. Come on, so good. And she said, I'm going to ask my dad to bring me to the church, so I'm still believing to see her. Thank you, Jesus. So good, so good. I love it. Did you guys know Jesus heals unbelievers too? He heals believers and unbelievers. His answer has been yes since Jesus came to this planet. Isn't that good news? I'm not going to go this far, but it's almost unbiblical to do evangelism without healing. If you look at the examples of evangelism in the book of Acts, what's, uh, you see Philip, the evangelist, what's he doing? He's preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, healing all the sick, casting out the demons, and then they were getting baptized. That's at least interesting. <clears throat> I want you to imagine that we had a special camera. <clears throat> we're trying to get this as a Zion app if it was possible, but it's not. So imagine it was a special camera that was able to look at you and determine what level of healing you were walking in. So if you're walking in full power of healing, it would, it would uh, see a red glow over you. If you're kind of just, you know, beginning to walk in healing, kind of getting it intermittently, it'd be pink. And if you're not walking in any healing power, it would be white. I've got some good news for you. You don't have to stay the same color when it comes to healing. 
here's what's happening is a lot of us, you know, we just kind of get busy through the week and you kind of come and you kind of get refreshed and recharged. And, and so God's going to begin, God is already beginning to renew your mind when it comes to healing. But here's what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Some of you are going to move from white to pink. Some of you are going to move from pink to red. You don't have to say the same. It's not like it's an on or off switch. Oh, you got the gift of healing. You don't have the gift of healing. If you're a Christian, you have the gift of healing. Here's what Mark chapter 16 says. It said the believers will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Who's it for? Believers. believers. Believing believers who believe. Unfortunately, in the church, we have a lot of believers who don't believe. They've been taught wrong things. And so we're going to work on that today a little bit. You guys ready? Jesus said this, he said, if anyone believes in me, he'll do the works I've been doing. <clears throat> what are the works he'd been doing? Healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper. What was the qualification? If anyone believes in me. This is good news for you. Imagine that we had a three-day healing conference, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If people came in, they got prayer for, on Friday, and it didn't look like anything happened. They came back Saturday, they received prayer again, didn't look like anything happened. They came back on Sunday, they received prayer, and they got healed. Guess what? God didn't change. They did. God wasn't like, well, let's see if you're truly desperate. Desperation is not a condition for being uh, healed or receiving a miracle. Desperation is actually a sign that you don't realize that your father's near. You guys realize this. God, God's not waiting for you to show how much you need him. <clears throat> he already said yes. But sometimes we've got to renew our mind to pull off these things. He said, if you believe and not doubt. So we've got to get rid of some of these doubts. We're going to work on some of this today. You guys good? All right, let's start with the confession. Healing is not my idea. Healing is God's idea. I'm not trying to convince him. He's trying to convince me. Listen to these verses. I totally forgot to send verses to the uh, tech team. I'm way over here. I'm like, oh, just Lord, you're so good. I'm just enjoying them, just singing in tongues. And I'm, uh, I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. I didn't send any verses. So Psalm 107, verse 20. I'm going to kind of pause a little bit in case they are able to get them up. Um, he said this, he sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their, their destruction. That's good news. What happened? The word of God came into the circumstance and it completely changed the circumstance. Proverbs 4.20, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Do you for this? For they are life to those who... I'm sorry, Proverbs 4.20. Did I say that already? <clears throat> oh, you guys are awesome. <clears throat> I'm going through 22. For they are life to those who find him and healing to all their flesh. What happens? The word of God, when it comes into your life, it brings healing. So guess what we're going to do today? We're going to look at the word of God like we do every single week. And we're going to focus on Jesus like we do every single week. All right? We're not changing the subject. The word of God brings life and healing to your body. I've got some good news for you. In case you didn't know it, God wants you well. We're going to do some confessions because the power of life and death is in the tongue. They're like, hold on, Jim, is this name it and claim it? Well, I'm not super into name it and claim it, but I am into believe it and receive it and confess it. Here's what the Bible says. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. That's how you receive everything in the Christian life. You believe in your heart and you confess. So if, um, if, if name it and claim it, believe it and receive it, confess it and possess it, um, maybe they're onto something. I'm not saying you can't take something to an extreme, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, all right? It's always God's will for you to be healed regardless of how good, bad, or ugly you are. Yes, that was a reference to the Clint Eastwood movie. So, so somebody smile at me here. You guys look a little scared. It's good news. It's all good news. 
So we're in part two of a, of a series called Healing is God's Idea. And last time we saw that healing was paid for on the cross the same way as the forgiveness of our sins. I used this illustration on a, uh, on a video when we were on vacation, so in case you didn't watch it. Healing is a lot like this. So imagine that you go into a bank and you, know, you have a safety deposit box. Here's how a safety deposit box works. There's two keys, right? So the first key is inserted by the bank. They put the key in, and after that, the owner of the box puts in their key, opens it up, and receives what's in their box. That's a lot like healing. A lot of people think that healing is like the nuclear codes. And I've actually never been there when a uh, president's actually doing like the nuclear bomb with the two key thing. But I've seen it on movies. And if it's anything like the movies, people think it's like this. You have to time it perfectly. There's two people and two people required to put the key in at the exact same time. One, two, three. Push, turn, right? That's not how healing is. Healing is not God up there waiting for your faith. And then he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, there they go, there they go. Okay, just, just on the edge of his seat, just waiting to see if you're going to believe. No, no, it's like the bank. He's already put in his key. He has already paid for all of the healing to ever happen. He has already said, yes, your key is saying, amen. So be it unto me according to your will. Faith looks, faith is not, a lot of people are like, faith moves heaven. Uh-uh, heaven already moved 2,000 years ago on the cross. If heaven didn't move, your faith ain't moving him. He's not doing something new up there. It's already been done. It is a done deal. Faith is a response to what Jesus has already done. God's up there with his arms folded, waiting for you to show desperate faith. Let's see how bad you want it. Let's see how good you are. Let's see if you really did. No, 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 no. <clears throat> it's not about how good you are. It's about how good Jesus was. And his hand is open because of what Jesus, I keep stepping on this thing here, because of what Jesus has done. And when we see what he has done and we believe it, it comes into our life. We put in that second key. How are we doing? So say this with me. This healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. Like, well, Jim, what has Jesus done? Well, that was the whole first message. I'm not going to try to go through the whole thing. But he died and rose from the dead and paid for the forgiveness of your sins in the same way that he paid for the healing of your diseases, healing of your sickness. It's all part of the same package. God would no more rather have you in adultery than he would rather have you in sin and sickness because he paid for you to come out of both. Can you imagine someone saying, oh, this adultery is God's will. Lord, just bless this adultery. Thank you so much for this adulterous affair. I feel so good. No, no, no. No one's thinking that God would want you to do that. And that somehow they think, well, sometimes God might want me sick because he has a higher purpose. God's teaching me something through this sickness. It's the Holy Spirit's job to teach you something, not sickness. Well, Jim, sickness makes me more like Jesus. Jesus wasn't sick. How is it going to make you more like him? How are we doing? If you listen to this and take it to heart, it will be impossible for you to stay sick. Get ready to be well. Oh, I can feel some stuff going on in here. The biggest problem of getting your healing prayers answered is praying in the will of God. No one is able to pray in faith if they don't already know the will of God. When you hear somebody praying for healing and they say, Lord, if it be thy will, that is a bunch of religious gas. That is a wasted breath prayer because this person cannot pray in faith if they don't even know what God's will is. Listen to 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. 
because I don't have the slides ready, right? First John chapter five, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. How can we have confidence towards God? That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Boy, there's some interesting verb tests going on, verb tenses, verb tenses <laughs> going on here. <clears throat> if we ask and we know, then we know that we're going to have it. There, there's a future tense thing. If we believe here, we know what God's will is, then we know that we will receive. We will, that, that we will have the request that we have of him. This is saying that receiving from God is absolutely dependent upon your knowing that you've asked according to his will. Listen, for you to walk in healing power, for you to move to white to pink and pink to red, or just to have a red spot flash in your life and get healed, and whatever that looks like, you can't believe if you aren't even sure God agrees with you. You have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. He said, believe and not doubt. He says, if you'll just believe and not doubt, it just takes a, a, a faith the size of a poppy seed. Face of a mustard. What's he saying? It doesn't take great faith if we can get rid of these doubts. We're going to do a whole message on doubts. We're going to, we're going to hit this thing from a whole bunch of different angles and some other messages. But this is where a lot of people uh, miss it. They say, God, I know, you can, I know you can heal, but will you heal me? It's like, God, I know you're great and you're powerful. You're, you're way up there, but I don't know if you've actually done anything for little old me. And, and they actually think that's kind of a humble posture. You know, just little old me. I'm just, just a little worm. You're not just a little worm. You've been made a son and daughter. This worm theology is actually unbelief in what God says about you. Let's make a comparison. When it comes to the forgiveness of sin, I imagine that the majority of people here have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Well, how did you receive it? You heard good news and you believed it, right? You, and so, um, and so uh, I, you know, you probably didn't say, you know, oh God, if it's your will, then save me. And you waited to see if you felt something different. Okay, that's not believing that Jesus did anything for you, right? That, that's getting it all backwards. And so what a lot of people are doing is they're looking, you know, when it, you know, you didn't look for some type of external feeling. You didn't look for like a flash. Oh, man, there was no angel. It came down and changed my name. There's no flash of lightning. I guess nothing happened. That's not how we received healing because that's not how we were taught it. We were taught, here's the good news. Jesus has already paid the price for your sins. He is already your savior before you're ever born. You just have to receive it. We believe it and receive it, right? But forgiveness of sins isn't presented that way. Our forgiveness of sins isn't presented. Oh, yeah, you just have to, you know, maybe it'll come later and you'll feel it. We rightly, tell we rightly tell people, Jesus has already died for your sin. 1 John 2.20, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sin, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So Jesus already died for the sins of the whole world. We don't have to wonder whether or not it's his will for you to be, uh, for you to be saved or to be forgiven of sin. He already said yes 2,000 years ago. Right? This is good news. Forgiveness of sins is presented as something that has already taken place. However, it's not the same thing when it comes to healing. If you approach healing and saying, oh, Lord, if it be thy will, heal me, and then you wait to see if you feel something different. And if you feel something different or if the pain leaves, then you'll believe. Guys, how many of you seeing that's backwards? The Bible says believe and then receive or doubt and do without. God, if it be your will, save me. No, no, no. It's already his will. Lord, if it be your will, heal me. No, no, no. It says, by your, it says he bore your sickness, carried your pain. By your stripes, you were healed. Guys, notice, were is past tense. doesn't say, you know, if you're good enough and you believe hard enough, then the healing power of heaven, his hand opens up and it comes down. No, no, it's already a done deal. He already decided, yes. God is not up there on a case-by-case -case basis deciding whether or not you're worthy to be healed. 
you're not coming before the Lord, and you're saying, okay, let's, okay, guys, let's, let's see how the, how, okay, they've been pretty good on the sin thing. They've recently confessed sin. You know, if they could just maybe do a little bit of fasting. Well, Jim, I thought this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. Yeah, this kind of unbelief, that's the whole context. We'll look at that story later. Fasting isn't something you do to open God's hand. Fasting is something you do to focus your attention on what Jesus has already done. God's not impressed with your growling stomach. He's impressed with what his son did on the cross. How are we doing? This is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. How can we have confidence? Because we know it's his will. And if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. There's a lot of people that aren't sure of this God's will to heal, and it isn't because they haven't seen it in the word of God. It's because they look at their circumstances. A lot of people are like, yeah, I believe in healing, but you don't believe he's already your healer. There's a difference. Most people believe what their experience is telling them more than the word of God. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying just deny your experience. Oh, they're just lying symptoms, and I'm healed. (laughs) I'm healed, (laughs) you know, and you're pretending you're not coughing. and all. I'm not talking about that, okay? But uh, most people interpret the word of God based on their circumstances. Oh, it's not working for me. Guys, it, it works. It will work for you when you receive him as your savior the same way, when you receive him as healer the same way you received him as savior. Most people look around and they see so many people who pray for healing, but it doesn't manifest. And they go, oh, it must not be God's will to heal everybody. Because I know this person, they were so good. My grandma, she was a saint and she prayed for healing and she died of this sickness. And so it must not have been, you guys, you can't interpret God's will based on circumstances. We have to interpret it based on what God's word says. We've got to draw a line in the sand at some point and say, I don't, it doesn't matter what I see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. If it's in the word of God, it has to be in my life. Someone has to get provoked for this thing. It has to matter to a group of people. Guys, we can't continue to have powerless churches in America. The church has been powerless for so long that somehow Satan and Jesus have switched job descriptions. Acts 10.38, um, you know how Jesus, was a, Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. In the Bible days, Jesus went about healing people, and it was the devil oppressing people. 2,000 years later, the church has had such a lack of power. It's now God and Jesus who are making people sick to teach them a lesson or for some sovereign purposes, and it's the devil who's healing them through lying signs and wonders. How on earth did Jesus and the devil switch job descriptions in the religious church? Are we okay? Boy, it's quiet in here. All right, I'm just going to assume you're just thinking, processing, soaking it in. All right. I believe you have to start with knowing that it is God's will for you to be well. I want you to leave here. uh, I like how it says it in Romans 4. Abraham was fully convinced. I want you to be fully convinced, not because of anything that I said, but because the Holy Spirit is speaking the simplicity of Christ to your heart. Okay, I've got to stop stepping on this thing. (laughs) You have to put some kind of little ramp to keep me from it here or something here. Here's another verse that goes right along with this. This is Jesus speaking. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. The verse that Kenneth Hagin wrote, right? <clears throat> Therefore, I tell you, he just preached on this verse all the time. He didn't really write this. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I want you to notice the physical manifestation of your healing is in the future after you believe. You have to believe that you receive when you pray. 
When are you supposed to believe? Well, I'm going to believe when I feel better, Jim, because, you know, I'm, I'm a man of science. You know, I'm a man of proof. And that's not how it works in the kingdom. You believe you receive when you pray. Then you receive future tense. Look at this. If I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received, you've already received it. Past tense. Present tense, praying. Received it, past tense. And then future tense, it will be yours. When does the receiving happen? After you believe. How can you believe that you receive when you pray if you aren't sure that it's God's will for you to be healed? I mean, that's what we're saying. This is the, this is the necessary starting point. Okay, so Jim, how can we come to know the will of God before we pray? Here's the, here's the thing that's helped me the most. I, I used to have all these mental gymnastics, and then just, there, there's a verse in um, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, I think 3. So don't, don't look it up, because it's probably wrong there. But it says this, just as, uh, I fear that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent, you too have been deceived from the simplicity of Christ. I'll tell you what, Jesus Christ is the best kept secret in the American church. A lot of people are looking outside of Christ for something that they've already received in Christ. They're looking for a special anointing service where someone's going to give you some magical impartation. Guys, I believe in impartation, but the only thing that they're doing is taking the grace that's on their life and stirring it up. to. Uh, it's like adding gasoline on a fire. You already have the fire of the Holy Spirit. You already have received every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. You have the anointed one living inside of you. You don't need much more anointing than that. The healer is living inside of you, and he wants you out, out. Okay? And so the simplicity of Christ. Jesus has done everything for us. He's not adding anything up there. Remember when the Bible says God's doing a new thing? That was Jesus. The new thing was Jesus. He's not up there. You, know. you don't need a new anointing. You need to recognize the anointing that you already have. I'm not saying God isn't, you know, that we see in the book of Acts, there's fresh fillings and everything and fresh touches from God and fresh outpourings. Those are just simply refreshing reminders of gasoline on which you've already received. The simplicity of Christ. He's already done it all. We're pushing our chips to the center of the table. We're betting it all on what Jesus did is enough. Not your brilliance, not your ability to memorize scripture, not your holiness, not your ability to get rid of all your sin, not your ability to focus completely on Jesus and not have any other thought. I'm just resting. Oh, what he did is enough. Thank you, Jesus. Guys have to understand, the guys who changed the world were 12 guys who smelled like fish. They were simple fishermen. They were blue-collar workers who were uneducated, but they had been with Jesus. Get this. Jesus is perfect theology. I got this phrase from Bill Johnson. Get that statement in your heart. If you want to know what God's will is, you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Jesus said this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Here's what we see Jesus doing. He healed every person who came to him without exception, and every person the Father led him to. You know what he never did? He never blessed a life-threatening storm. So all those prophets, you know, every time there's a hurricane that takes people's lives, people are like, oh, this was the judgment of God. I remember that I had the one on... Um, it, was, uh, it, hit, it hit a little bit of the French Quarter of New Orleans. And so people are like, oh, it was God's judgment for the Mardi Gras celebration. The problem was the, the hardest hit was Biloxi, Mississippi. It was like, ooh, God had bad aim if he was trying to make that point. Jesus never blessed a life-threatening storm. He never gave someone blindness to teach them a lesson. This is a prophetic symbol of Israel's blindness. I've heard people make ridiculous statements. When there's unity in the church, then I'll be healed. Well, good luck waiting for that one. 
Jesus never said there had to be unity in the church in order for you to be healed. He said that you will be healed when you believe. He already paid for it. How we doing? This is a game changer for me. I, we would see healings, I don't know, maybe one out of 100. I don't know. Maybe that's being generous. And we were just, I, I remember we had like one, we were uh, pastoring this young adults group. And there was this girl who um, used to be a, a heroin addict. And she had kidney problems. I don't know if from all the drugs or filtering or all the toxins. I have no idea why. I mean, she was in so much pain she couldn't sit. And Mary and I are going after healing. And when I say going after it, picture striving and human works. Okay, we are, we are doing everything that we knew how to do to get God to heal somebody. We are, we're showing him our sincerity. We're making the right faces, you know. We're, we're getting up early. We're staying up late. We're doing all the things that we needed to do, not realizing he had already done it all. And we needed to rest in that. I remember we, we prayed, and, uh, and sh- somehow she got healed. I, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know that it was our faith. It must have been her faith, because it certainly wasn't our striving. And uh, wasn't, maybe I, I don't think God felt bad for us and gave us one, but it felt like that. And so, um, but I mean, that was like one out of like maybe like 10 years. That's pretty discouraging. I'm not sure if you guys have ever been there. Like you're praying for people, they're getting sicker, and like you're catching their diseases. That was us for like 10 years. It was terribly discouraging, okay? And so, uh, but when I realized that Jesus perfectly revealed the Father. So every time I'm standing in front of someone, I don't have to go. I I remember hearing a, a, a very famous minister said, you know, when someone's standing in front of me, I say, Lord, are we healing this one? What a bunch of garbage. It sounds so spiritual as if, you know, we're gonna see in a second, Jesus didn't do that. When someone came in front of him, he didn't even consult the Father. He already knew what the Father's will was. He's just, he's in healing mode. He already knew what the Father's will was. was. How we doing? So it used to be when they weren't healed, we'd say, oh, it must not have been God's will. But now I know God's will perfectly revealed through Jesus. So any person who's standing in front of me, I know what Jesus wants to do in this situation. Why? Because Jesus only did what he saw his Father do. And he healed every person who came to him without exception, every person the Father led him to. What you'll never see is Jesus putting sickness on someone or for some sovereign purposes. Well, Jim, God is sovereign. So we'll talk about that in another, another lesson. But sovereignty has come to be this thing. We can just sweep everything under the rug that we don't understand and blame it all on God. As if God's putting sickness on people to teach them a lesson. If I put sickness on my children, I'd be arrested for child abuse. And yet somehow we point our finger and say, God, you're doing this. It's disgusting. That's not the God of the Bible. Listen to John 1.18 in the Amplified. I know you guys run ESV. We're going to Amplified. John 1.18 in the Amplified. So it's going to be a little louder because it's Amplified. No man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique son or the only begotten God who is in the bosom, in the intimate presence of the Father, he has declared him. He has revealed him and he has brought him out to where he can be seen he has interpreted him, and he has made him known. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to replace the pronouns in, in these verses. Ready for this? Jesus Christ has declared the Father. Jesus Christ has revealed the Father, brought the Father out where the Father can be seen. Jesus Christ has interpreted the Father, and Jesus Christ has made the Father known. Why do you think the, uh, the experience of the disciples was so supernatural? We've seen, I mean, these guys, they, they didn't go to seminary. They weren't trained by the greatest rabbis. Why was their, uh, why was their experience so supernatural? You know, I mean, they, they had great, you know, results in healing. They turned the world upside down. The reason is they understood the will of God. They knew what the Father wanted because they saw the Son doing the Father's will perfectly. You guys have to understand this. Jesus was their theology. 
Jesus was their doctor, and they're seeing him in every single situation. What was he doing? He was healing. So when they came to a situation, they, uh, if they said WWJD, what would Jesus do? They knew what he would do because he had done it every single time in front of them for three years. If you were to say to the apostle Peter, God's will for healing is different for different people. Peter would have said, Jesus didn't show us that. He healed everyone in the multitude. Let me ask you this. Were there good people in the multitude? Yep. Were there bad people in the multitude? Yep. And healed everyone who came to him. I have a lot of people ask me, do you have to deal with all your stuff in order to get healed? And um, no. <laughs> Jesus wasn't like, listen, you're precious. I love you. Go do two inner healing sessions and then come back to me. You've got some childhood trauma that you need to, you know, you know, I'm not saying that there's not some things that in our end keep us, give us doubts. You know, if you've got unforgiveness, you may feel guilty before God and not be able to receive. That, that's, that has nothing to do with your unforgiveness. It has to do with your ability to believe and receive. Jesus never made them jump through hoops and get rid of a whole bunch of stuff before he healed them. They simply came to him and he healed them without exception. Is anyone hearing what I'm saying here? Hebrews says that Christ is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is like, you can't see the Father, but you can see me, and I'm showing you what he's like. They knew the will of God was to heal all, not just the good, but all. He healed the good, the bad, and the ugly. I remember um, one time Mary and I were uh, ministering, and we're praying for this couple, and this guy comes up from behind us. It wasn't at Zion, it was at another church. He comes up behind us, and he had spooky prophet eyes. I'm not sure if you've ever seen anyone with spooky prophet eyes, but you know, I don't, it would almost look like his hair was being blown by these unseen winds, and he comes in with these weird eyes, and uh, he's like, the Lord shows me that there's, uh, there's disunity in their marriage, and it needs to be uh, healed first. They have to repent of it first before that they get healed. And he kind of like glided off. And so this, this couple is like, like they're kind of worried, and I'm rolling my eyes. What happened? What did he do? He planted a doubt there. Guys, where are we going to get our healing theology from? We're going to get it from the person of Jesus. When did Jesus ever say, I'm sorry, there's disunity in their marriage? Get that fixed and come back and we'll talk. See you next Sabbath. Well, no, no, you never did that. Guys, there, people plant these doubts in you. They give you these reasons why God won't heal you until you do this, this, and this. That's religion is what you must do. Christianity is what Jesus has already done. And because of what he has done, we get to receive it freely when we believe. Oh, my. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, English Standard Version. When Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leopard came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Uh, basically, he's asking, God, is it your will to heal me? So the, all they had was the old covenant. So uh, he, he wasn't going from new covenant theology. Verse 3, and Jesus prayed about it and said, Lord, why does this person have leprosy? Was it their sin? Was it some generational curse? Lord, do we need to break these curses? No, no, no. Do you know what it says here? But if you were to read it today, that's how a lot of people are reading this verse. Man, it's quiet in here. Verse 3, And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. <clears throat> Verse 4, And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. This is the only place in the Gospels where the will of God for healing comes in. It's a pretty good question back in their culture. They taught that people who were, had leprosy were cursed and that they needed to do something. And 
Uh, you know, they might be thinking, I'm getting what I deserve. And so he, I could see why he's questioning it. But I want you to notice something. Jesus doesn't hesitate. Jesus didn't stop and try to figure out what God's will was. He just stretched out his hand as a reflex of action. He knew, already knew what the will of the Father was. And he says that the Greek is actually, the New Testament was written in Greek, is actually very strong. It's almost as if Jesus stomped his foot and said, of course I'm willing, be, be healed. I want you guys, if someone's in a wheelchair, don't focus on their condition. Focus on the willingness of God to get them out of that wheelchair. And he said, uh, you know, go show yourself to the priests. That was the equivalent of the doctors. They were the medical professionals of the day who could actually certify whether or not someone had been healed of leprosy. God's not against medicine. He's against being number two. How are we doing? We're not some stupid cult that says you can't, uh, you know, you can't go to doctors. And um, listen, I, I, man, we're thankful for doctors because a lot of Christians aren't getting healed based on their faith. So God wants you healed. God wants you God wants you well enough from the doctors until you can get healed by your faith. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying the truth. I'm, we're thankful for doctors. We're thankful for the medical professionals. I'm thankful for medical professionals that are using godly wisdom with this stuff. So don't test your faith in your kids. Practice your faith in your kids. If your kids are sick, pray for them. If it's not working, take them to the doctor. You can deprive yourself of medical, uh, medical help if you want, but don't do that to your kids. Use, use the best wisdom that you have until they get healed supernaturally. But God's first. We, we, we practice it with him first. Are we okay here? Yes. Paul told Timothy, take a little wine with your stomach. Why? He was living in an area that had poor drinking water. It's probably a good thing to say to him. And say, where's your faith, Timothy? You got some secret sin in your life? What's going on? He's like, man. I had a friend who um, had uh, sore feet, continual. He would pray and he would get healed and the sore feet would come back. Pray we could heal the sore feet. Come. This is a true story. He finally said, Lord, what's going on? The Lord said, your socks are too tight. Get new socks. <laughs> Guess what? He got new socks and his foot pain left. It's okay to use wisdom. God gave you a lot of, breeding, a lot of leading when he gave you a brain, okay? You're all right. Verse chapter, chapter 8, verse 5. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. Notice he didn't stop and pray. He already knows what the Father's will is. Listen, guys, we, we see lots of people here healed. And um, I don't do a lot to uh, get ready for it. I never really pray about it. I just ask God to prepare me. And I get people to put their eyes on Jesus. And when they put their eyes on Jesus, good things happen. I, I, I've been in a lot of these services where people are like cramming for the anointing. Oh, God, send your spirit. Oh, God, send your anointing. I'm like, man, if we're not anointed by now, we're in trouble. If we're like waiting to the last second. We can come boldly into the throne of grace and obtain help in time of need. Many can't, do, can't come boldly into God's throne because they don't know what he wants to do. They're not sure of his will. I got some good news for you. God only heals people who don't deserve it. So stop trying to deserve it. Whenever you're giving God a reason to bless you, giving you God a reason to answer your prayer, giving God a reason to prosper you, giving God a reason to show you favor at work, um, that's called dead works. But if your reason is because of what Jesus has done, he paid for it all, he thought of everything, then you qualify. Verse 6, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. Notice the centurion didn't believe anything good was happening in his circumstance. Many Christians confuse good with evil. They intuitively know that sickness is bad and healing is good, but somehow religion gets in and twists it. 
Listen, guys, if you believe that God has a purpose for your sickness, you would be inconsistent to try to go take medicine, go to the doctor, and do things to get healed. Why would you want to circumvent God's uh, will in your life if he wants you to be sick? Why are you trying to fight against God's will? We should be picketing every hospital and doctor in the city if uh, God wants you sick because they're actively fighting it. No, no, because intuitively, no. God good, devil bad. Healing good, sickness bad. That's how we taught it to our kids when they were little. God good, devil bad. Cancer, bad. That means we can fight it. But if you believe it's God's will for you to be sick and you're learning something from it, why not just ask for a double portion? God, give me more. Let me learn this lesson quicker. Nobody's that stupid except for religion. Religion makes people stupid. How are we doing? You can tweet that one if you want. Religion makes people stupid. We're going to look at it in Galatians. We're going to go verse by verse through Galatians this fall. And he says, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? You started off in the spirit. Now you're trying to get God to do miracles among you by your amazing works and deeds and all this performance and showing God how good you are. And today it's not circumcision. Today it's how hungry are you? You're not hungry enough. You don't want it bad enough. You're never going to want it bad enough. You're going to get it because of what Jesus has done. We're going to hit this thing from so many different angles. Because the church has taught them that God might want to use this sickness, they're confused about it. And they confuse good with evil. Can God use sickness? Well, let's say um, you know, some terrible tragedy happens, and a child is killed by a drunk driver on the street. And as a result of it, the parents... Uh, they, they're, they're broken, they turn to the Lord, and some good comes out of it. Does that mean that God was the author of that death? No, it means that he, he can work good in any circumstance. And what happens is God is so good, even in the middle of horrible circumstances, that people think he's the author of the circumstance. No, he's just good in the middle of something that the enemy meant for evil. And Jesus said, to him, I will come and heal him. Verse 8, but the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word. Remember how we started off this? When God sent his word, healing came. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. I got some good news for you. God has already sent his word. And my servant will be healed. Verse 9, for I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does this. What's happening here? Jesus is planning on doing ordinary ministry. He's planning on going to this person's house, laying hands on this sick person, and uh, seeing them recover. And, uh, and, and this guy's like, hold on, hold on. I see what's going on here. I'm a man under authority. I'm carrying out the will of someone else. And Jesus is marveling at this. We're going to see here in a second. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, no one in Israel have I found such faith. This was a Roman centurion. He was outside the covenant. But he, in the natural, is looking at what's going on. I see that you're carrying out the authority. I think you're, you see you're carrying out the will of someone with a higher authority. And when I, I'm doing the same thing. I'm under Roman authority. I say, do this, and they do it. You're carrying out the spiritual authority of, of someone else's will. And when you say, do this, he says, do this. So here's a, here's a question. Who's in control of healing? Don't answer this question out loud because you're going to get it wrong. Who's in control of healing? You or God? The answer is you. You're in control of healing. Who were the uh, blind people who got healed in Israel? 
the ones who came to Jesus. They were in control of their miracle. Who, were the, uh, who was in control of this miracle, this, the centurion or, or God? Jesus is going to do ordinary, ordinary ministry, and the centurion comes in with a different kind of faith and changes the whole way it happens. I remember uh, we used to do newcomers, and when we lived in Powell, we, lit, we did newcomers dessert at our house. And um, every newcomer dessert has a different flavor. And <clears throat> this particular one, well, let me just back up. So we had this guy at our church who was an armored truck driver. And I figured these guys were like buddies in the truck. They're like talking all the time. Well, apparently with this one, they got like an armor, you know, like a bulletproof glass in between them. And they're sitting on, in different chair, you know, different seats in the truck. And it's like they're not really talking. They're just riding in this truck, you know. And so... Um, the truck breaks down, and so the, uh, which is like the plot of every heist movie, isn't it, you know? And so the truck breaks down, and so while they're waiting for you to get repaired, they're outside the truck, and they're actually talking kind of for the first time. And the guy from our church is talking to this guy, and he's a Hindu. And so the Hindu's complaining about all these sicknesses he has. He says, my wife and I, were going to sell all of our possessions. We're going to move to India. And this Hindu healer said that after three years, we'll be able to get healed of this stuff. And the guy's like, you'll need to do that. Just come to, come to my church. You'll, you'll get healed. He told his story of how he had a broken collarbone, and uh, the, the collarbone it was sticking out, uh, not through the skin, but like deformed. You know, it wasn't sticking like, you know, the bone coming out of the skin, but it was deformed. And he had a lot of pain in it. He gets prayed, snap, crackle, pop. He, or he gets prayed for the pain leaves. On the way home from church, snap, crackle, pop. He gets healed. The deformity is gone. And so um, that's how he was able to be an armored truck driver because he, he had too much pain to be able to t- uh, test out on the shotgun test that they have there. So he shares this testimony with the guy, and the guy's like, this sounds amazing. So uh, he, the, the guy from our church brings him to the newcomer's dessert. So, um, so here we are. You know, These two Hindus walk in, and they're kind of like sitting off to the side. They're not really participating too much. But this particular newcomer's dessert, it seemed like everyone had a story. Like We asked this question, what brought you to Zion, and what brought you back? Well, this particular one, everyone had like a healing story. I, my neighbor got healed. They told me about it. I got healed. And they just had all these healing stories. And so there was all this stuff going on. And so afterwards, the two Hindus come up with us and they say, hey, can, we, can we receive prayer? So say, yeah, pray. And so they told us, you know, the three-year thing. And so we're like, listen, we got some good news. Jesus already paid for your healing uh, when he died on the cross. And so would you like to receive that right now? Yeah, we would. And so we pray for him. I think the first guy he had... Um, <clears throat> He had all sorts of like blood disorders and stuff going on, and he felt like his blood was boiling from the inside out. So a lot of times when someone's getting a whole system cleansed, we've seen people completely healed of HIV, and um, they don't have to have this, but we, it seems like when they're getting a whole system cleansed, they feel heat throughout their whole body. And his wife had a whole bunch of allergy problems, and they all lift off of her. Let me ask you this. Were these two believers? Notice I didn't say were they Christians. I said were they believers? What did they do? They heard good news, and they came to Jesus expecting him to help. How we doing? They were in control of the healing. They heard good news, and they believed it and received it. Blind Bartimaeus cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Who was in control of that healing? Blind Bartimaeus. A woman with the issue of blood had been sick for 12 years. She decided in her heart she was going to be healed. And uh, she snuck up behind Jesus, and Jesus, she touched Jesus, and Jesus froze time and stopped and said, Father, is this one worthy of you? No, 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 no. When faith touches the Son of God, it's like a pickpocket. It's like a reflexive action. When faith touches the Son of God, healing is the response. Can you imagine a pastor giving an altar call to church, and uh, someone coming forward, and um, an altar call for salvation, someone coming forward, and the pastor says, I'm sorry, my child. I'm not my child. Who talks like this? I'm sorry, my child. But um, 
Your sin is doing you some good. God is not done with your sin. He's transforming your character with your sin. You're learning an important lesson with your sin. It's not his timing for you to be saved. It's some sort of divine mystery going on here. Come back another time. Like, no, 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 you could never imagine a pastor doing that for salvation. And yet we can imagine it happening for healing on a regular basis. I've heard, I don't know how many people, oh, the Lord showed me I'm going to be healed in December. Mm, the Lord's not showing you that. That's your unbelief. Today's the day of salvation. Salvation means saved, healed, delivered, prospered, and protected. When I finally made a strong commitment to the truth that Christ was already my healer, then the manifestation of healing came. When I was trying to convince him, and it, listen, I see people praying and they're concentrating extra hard. They're bearing down. It's like, oh, you got a little bit of headache? Oh, they feel pretty good about that. When someone comes up with like a deformity, oh, we got to concentrate. That person doesn't understand that they're not trying to convince God with their sincerity or their furrowed brow or the tone of their voice. God is already convinced because of Jesus. We're not moving God with our faith. We're responding what Jesus has already done. Believe and then receive. So I suffered a, a, a severe food allergy. As, uh, this is kind of gross. As a result of getting some uh, parasites from a mission trip. All right, there you go. Is there anything worse than that? Like you're serving God, you get a parasite. There's nothing worse than that. So I, I suffered from this food allergy for years. And it was just a couple years ago, um, I don't know, maybe five years ago that I got healed. And so I, <clears throat> I was at this point where I'm like losing weight the hard way from stomach issues. I don't need to go into more detail. I was going to write a book about it called um, Lose Weight Without Diet or Exercise, but I didn't think anyone would like the punchline of how I was actually losing the weight. <laughs> so I went from 190 pounds down to 165. And so, yeah, I went from, uh, what was that, light heavy weight down to like welterweight, you know. And so, um, solid muscle. And so then... Um, See, I, I'm just at a bad point. And so I, I'd been healed several times. I was not able to keep my healing. How many of you guys know when you lose a healing, it's not God? It's just a separate attack. And you receive it back the same way you get it. We're going to look at all those issues, and we, we're going to come to all these kind of questions here. But um, so I'm wrestling with these food allergies. I'd get healed for a little bit. They would come back. And I heard a mentor ask, what if you received Christ as healer the same way you received him as Savior? Now, when, when, this person, when I heard this question asked, I was actually just listening to an audio uh, of it. And when I heard this person ask this, I felt the Lord on it. I felt the Lord was calling me, Jim, you need to examine your beliefs. You need to check out what you believe. And so um, Christ was inviting me to receive him as healer the same way I received him as Savior. Listen, I believe the theology. I had taught it a whole bunch. But somehow this was just kind of something fresh for me. And so um, at that time, as I do now, I believe that Christ had died for my sins. I also believe that Christ had died for my sicknesses, right? But I'm realizing I was not approaching it the same way. And so um, the way I received Christ as Savior follows a very common pattern. I heard the good news about what Jesus had done for me on the cross. I believed it to be true. I prayed to receive Christ as my Savior. I was born again. My sins were wiped away. I was a new creation. You know what? And um, in other words, I believed and received. And then I began to feel some of the effects of that. You know, I remember feeling a joy. I remember, uh, you know, uh, feeling kind of new on the inside. I remember having this boldness. I went, I went into grade school the next day and began preaching to everything that moved. I remember I got into an argument with Shad Carnes, who was a Jehovah's Witness. I didn't know anything about Jehovah's Witness. I didn't know anything about witnessing. I didn't know anything about debating people. I just knew that Jesus had made himself real to me as a little boy. I think I was in second grade. And uh, he made himself real. I remember sitting up in the bed, praying that prayer. I prayed it with my parents, uh, kneeling down by the bed there. And um, I sat up in bed, and I felt like I stayed up all night worshiping God. It was probably 10 minutes. 
I remember just sitting up and, and, and God was real to me. But, but he didn't become real to me and all that stuff happened. And then, okay, now I must be saved. No, no, I believed that he was my savior. I received you. I heard the good news, received him as my savior. And then those things happened. But you know what? When it came to healing, I was not approaching it the same way. I would pray, ooh, oh, I'm still a little, you know, actually it was a stomach issue. I'd pray, oh, man, I'm just ah, still feeling bad. I guess I'm not healed. You know, I guess, I guess you know, I'm, not, I'm not receiving my healing and stuff. And I was not approaching it the same way. It was faith in Christ first. Then came the initial experience of salvation. I needed to believe when it came to healing that Christ was already my healer before I was healed. I needed to believe and receive Christ as my healer. Then I would experience hearing, healing. Are you guys saying this? It's believe first, then receive. If you believe that you've received when you ask, then you will receive what you've asked. Are we doing okay here? There are times when I wait to receive healing before I am healed. That's when I get my eyes on my circumstances. Guys, a lot of people I pray for, their faith doesn't last till the end of the prayer. It doesn't even last 10 seconds. You're praying, oh, it didn't work. I'm still, I'm still stiff. My eyes aren't any better. They're still ringing in my ears. I can still feel the tumor. What's happening? You're looking at your circumstances to see whether or not you're healed, to see whether or not Christ is your healer, instead of looking at Jesus and the word of God. When you, I'm not, guys, we've got to be a people of the word. Listen, I love the Holy Spirit. I love experiences. I love the wow factor, the sizzle factor. We've got to be people who are not moved by anything other than the word of God. Jesus sent the word and they were healed. We've got to be a people who can get uh, of word and spirit. And I fear in the charismatic churches, we're a little weak on the word. People would rather worship and sing in tongues and listen to music for hours and ignore their Bible for weeks and wonder why they're like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And they got to wait for the next revival meeting, the next church where they hear that it's sizzling, and then they go there so they can get another emotional charge because they have no root in themselves. Guys, we've got to be a people who see it in the word of God. I'm not talking about being cold, calloused, calloused, calloused academics who are just all in their heads. I'm talking about Jesus said he was mighty in word and deed. We want to be those people. And I don't feel like we're going to be mighty in deed, increase in healing the way that our church is called to, the way that Jesus has called every believer to, until we get rooted and grounded in his word. I want you to make the strong commitment to the truth that Christ is already your healer. And then the manifestation of healing will come. I hear people say, hear, hear people say like this, stuff like this. You know, I prayed, I did everything, I'm believing, I've got faith, and it's not working. Well, you just told me the whole problem. All the focus was on you. It is such a self-righteous statement to say everything that you've done, and now God's not doing his part. You're already in unbelief. Faith looks at Jesus. It doesn't look at all the things that you've done. Faith looks at Jesus. It doesn't look at the size of the tumor or the pain in your hip. Faith doesn't look at those things. I'm not saying that we're not going to check them out, but we're going to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus until the healing comes. So I began examining my beliefs about what I, what I believed about healing, and I'm realizing I'm focusing on the circumstance. I'm focusing on the feeling in my stomach when I eat certain kinds of food. I'm focusing on what was happening in the bathroom. I'm focusing on the, the, the scale and my weight going down and all these things and going to worst case scenario. I'm focusing on all those things to see whether or not I'm healed rather than staying anchored in what God said about me. 
And when I examined my beliefs and realized I was doing this, it was about a 10-day process of me, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe three weeks of just looking at this and just, you know, I would feel these things and I would, just, I would, I would declare all, oh, God wants me well. This healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. I'm not going to be moved by this. God, you are already my healer. I receive you as my I began to do those things. And after about three weeks, I was in a church meeting, and uh, it was a Zion meeting. We had a guest speaker, and he was preaching on God's love, and he was calling out some different sicknesses. He called out a sickness I didn't even have. I responded to a word of knowledge that was not my own. And I was like, you know what? I'm receiving that healing now. Now's my time. I don't know why I waited three weeks if I would have believed at that time, but somehow I was able to believe at that point. It's been five years now. I haven't had any, um, any stomach problems, and I'm back up to a beefy 185. Come on, baby. <laughs> Solid muscle. And so um, these aren't implants, baby. All right, so. <laughs> Christ is already your healer. The work is done for you. Father is saying yes and has been saying yes to the whole world from the moment Christ entered his ministry. Father is saying yes and has been saying yes to the whole world from the moment Christ entered his ministry. I want you to stand with me. We're going to make some confessions and we're going to pray. Say this, God wants me well. Say this, healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. We're going to pray here in a moment. And if you don't have an instant manifestation of healing, I want you to hold on to the word of God. Sometimes you can get healed off the anointing and faith of other people. Sometimes you need to get the healed, on, healed on your own faith. And so here's what's going to happen. Some of you, you're going to have a red flash. God is going to heal you. It's going to be awesome. And so, uh, you know, that's available for every single person in here instantaneously. But, uh, but if not, some of us are going to move from white to pink. Some of us are going to move from pink to in between red. Some are going to be like blood red, okay? And so, we're gonna, we, guys, we can all grow in this thing. There has to be a church in Columbus where people come in, hear good news, and actually have it happen. Yeah. It can't just be a theory. Yeah. I've been there on the deathbed of people and watched them pass from death to life. I've watched people suffering. Guys, th this can't just be a theory. There's people in here, you've got bad reports from doctors and you need a miracle. I've got some good news for you. God's not panicking. It wouldn't dim the lights of heaven to heal every single person in here. But here's what I know. Some of us, we, filled, we haven't been renewing our minds in these things. And so we're going to renew our minds in this thing. We're going to get at it. We're not a hit and run church. We're willing to stick with you until you get all the healing that you need. But some of us, guys, I want us to not just get a one-shot hit and then all of a sudden, God wants you to walk in blessing, not just miracles. I'm sick. Oh, I need, I need a church with faith. Pray for me. Get a miracle. Walk not learned a thing. Need another miracle? Need another miracle? Need another miracle. He wants us to walk in divine health, not just healing. Okay? But let's start with this. No one needs to feel bad about where they are. No one needs to look at it. Guys, get your eyes off of all the times you've been prayed for and it didn't work. Get your eyes off of, I'm a little bit nervous now. This is making me nervous. You know, what if I pray and nothing happens? Um, wrong focus. Okay? Here's what's going to happen if you pray and you don't see the manifestation. That white... It's pinking it up a little bit. You're focusing on the right things. I'm, I'm just using pink. I don't I mean maybe there's another thing here. I was going to try to wear a pink shirt, but I don't own any pink. I only own blue. And so, um, but uh, we're going to get our eyes on Jesus, and we're going to keep them there. And here, here's what it said in Acts. It said, uh, those people who have turned the world upside down, they've come here too. 
And so I, I believe God wants to turn the city upside down. I believe it's almost impossible to do evangelism without signs and wonders, at least biblically. You might be able to get people to repeat a prayer. But it, anyway, God wants me well. God wants me well. This healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. If you've got an area of your body, I want you to, uh, I want you to, uh, I want you to look at your hands for a second and say, um, Jesus said, these hands would lay hands on the sick, and I would recover. That's good news. Okay, you can stop repeating that, yeah. You can stop repeating that. You can stop repeating that, yeah. Why are you copying me? Why are you copying me? Yeah, so. We're going to pray, but I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I want you to examine what you believe about healing this week. People always live up to their beliefs. If you say you believe in healing and you don't pray for healing, you don't believe in healing. You believe in the doctrine of healing, but you don't believe in healing. If you say you believe in prosperity, but you're not expecting that Jesus has already prospered you, you just may be ignorant of it, that's okay, but don't say you believe in prosperity. You only believe the parts of the Bible that you do. Okay, so it's really easy to see what you believe. What are you doing? Is your first reaction doctors? You don't believe in healing. Are we okay? We have some big boy talk? Is the church going to be half the size next week? I'm okay with the Gideon's army, but what we're building is going to be special. I really feel like God is, a few months ago, I mean, I, there, there's a momentum that God's doing here in the spirit, and it, it's really special. There's a prophecy from, I, I got to quit here. There's a prophecy from Bob Jones over to the Columbus area. He was a high-level prophet. He, he's gone to be with the Lord. He said that the mightiest signs and wonders this country would ever see would come out of Columbus, Ohio. And so that's not going to just happen by a glory cloud going over a city and zapping a bunch of people who aren't renewing their minds. I'm not saying we're going to earn it. I'm saying we're going to be the people who step into what Jesus has already said is possible. Lord, I love you. We love you. We love you. You are the best. Say this with me. I receive you as my healer the same way I received you as my Savior. If you've got a part of your body that's sick, put your hand on your body. Jesus said, speak to the mountain and tell it to move. So don't ask God to do it. He told you to do it. So he says, shoulder, be healed. Knee, be healed. Pancreas, be made whole. Whatever, whatever that is, I want you to, listen, everyone's going to be talking, so you're not going to sound crazy. But uh, if, if you want this, I want you to put your eyes on Jesus and relax. <laughs> you know, if, if it helps you. There's two things I'm, I'm, I hate it when I tell people to pray and then I talk the whole time. There's, there's two things I picture. Maybe one of these will help you. Is I picture um, I picture a scene from the New Testament where Jesus is healing the multitudes. I picture like, you know, I'm in a prayer line and like three people down is someone who's blind and their eyes come open. They see the the loving eyes of Jesus for the first time and they're completely healed. The family's rejoicing. You know, someone with deaf ears coming open, the first voice to hear is the voice of Jesus. You know, a crippled person, a paralytic person getting up. We've seen all these things um, at Zion and, and, and other places. And then he comes to me, and I just feel the willingness of God, the love of God, the, the compassion of Jesus wash over me, and I just know he wants me well. Sometimes I picture um, 
uh, I've seen from Revelation 21 where it talks about there's a river flowing from the throne of God and on the edge of it are trees which are healing, which the leaves are the healing of the nations. And I picture there's this flow of God coming towards me and me putting my eyes on Jesus just gets me into that flow and then I receive. I'm not doing anything. I'm just standing in that flow of what already is. So if one of those pictures help you, if not, man, just, just imagine what Jesus did on the cross and just say, that's, that's for me, okay? So I just want you to put your hand on your body and I want you to command it to be made whole. You don't need more than two or three sentences. Jesus' prayers look like this. Take up your mat. Stretch out your hand. Little girl, wake up. So, um, Mary, can you come play something? It's so quiet in here. I think people aren't saying anything. So, do you have something to share later, too? Okay. Are you guys ready? Okay. So, right now, as Mary's coming forward, uh, I want you to just enjoy the Lord. Either picture yourself in that river, receiving what already is, or picture yourself in the, uh, in the ministry. You're one of the crowds that Jesus is ministering to. Remember, Jesus healed them all. And you're one of those all. And you're feeling that no pressure. And, um, but you're believing that he's already your healer. He already paid for it. And you're going to stand firm and not waver from it until it comes. If it comes on the way home like it did for the guy on the collarbone, praise God. If it comes now, praise God. If it comes in a week, praise God. You can't help but get healed when you focus on Jesus. So command it right now. Take authority over that thing. Just enjoy the Lord. No pressure, no striving. Just receive what is. Migraine headaches, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus and never come back. Diabetes, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus and never come back. Someone's got a right ankle that's wobbly and it's weak and it's giving you pain. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. Someone's got intestinal problems that's undiagnosed. You don't know what's going on, but you're worried. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. I speak to those intestines and I tell you to line up with the word of God. Be healed in the name of Jesus. God wants me well. Let's begin to move around a little bit, see what's happening. You want to take a walk on the aisle? You kind of check it out. Remember the 10 lepers, as they went, they were healed. Sometimes your action is just to check it out. Stretch out your hand. The guy with the withered hand couldn't, couldn't do it. But as he activated his faith, the healing came. Guys, there's no pressure in here. We're going to keep focusing on Jesus, but let's not lose this moment here. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I just thank you that healing is easy. Thank you for what Jesus has done. I say this a lot. God will not withhold healing from you because you're bad. He will not heal you because you're good. He'll heal you because of what Jesus did on the cross. So I'm going to invite our ministry teams to come forward. Any uh, uh, CSSM students who went through the healing quarter, either this past one or any, if you're a graduate, come on forward. You know what? Sometimes it's, it's nice to have someone pray the prayer of faith with you and agree. This isn't counseling. This isn't time to prophesy over somebody. This is time to pray the prayer of faith, which looks like a command. So if you need healing, come on forward. We're gonna, our teams will be standing here to agree with you. The kids will be fine in children's ministry. We'll get them there in a second. But put the oxygen on your face before you go get them. Come, come get healed. If you need prayer, 